Good evening, it's 7 o'clock on Wednesday the 22nd of April 2020. This is Net Support Radio and we have a cracking April special show for you. You're listening to Russell Prue on Net Support Radio, a special April broadcast from 7 to 9.30pm this evening. So a very good, and thank you so much indeed, Eve Harper, they're very good topic there, very interesting, I think, um, because clearly they are planning for a plan B, but not quite sure whether they'll need it or not. And that's all around the issue of the Nightingale Hospital at Excel in London, where we're all due to meet in January for the world's biggest ICT event. It's going to be interesting as well. Well, welcome to our second part of this evening's radio show, School Digital Strategy, the do's and don'ts and i am so pleased to tell you listeners i'm just looking at my screen that everyone is still on the line it's amazing uh, thank you so much indeed uh, i'm joined by ollie lewis who is the assistant head teacher i'm sorry about yes indeed you are assistant head uh, teaching and learning at the british school in abu dhabi uh, ollie i'll bring you in in just a second and linda parsons who's the educational consultant lead at dira international school um hello in uh, dubai lovely uh, to have you with the show uh, abid patel it director director at learning uh, at the leading learning trust i beg your pardon and ben whitaker uh, a director of edu futurists and google certified innovator we do love a google certified innovator and there's never one around when you need one so i'm really pleased he's here i think it's some really complicated questions uh, about hangouts or something for him al and mark are still with us i'm, I'm going to use our international tie line for as much as i possibly can and start perhaps uh, with you linda particularly what's the the state of play with you at the moment in so far as kind of lockdown shut down where are you what's the school operating at the moment um well for the last five weeks um we've been told that we need to be on 24-hour lockdown um so neither our students nor our teachers have been able to actually go really outside uh, which has been quite interesting for us um so ever since um our our easter holiday was brought forward um so we haven't actually been on site for the last five weeks at all it's been completely shut uh, which means we had to go straight into live learning. Um, and that's where we are at the moment. Brilliant. I have some questions about that in a minute. Ollie, same question to you. Um, slightly different state there, but are things different for you or is it the same kind of circumstances? No, 100% same circumstances. Uh, I'm 50 minutes down the road from Linda in Abu Dhabi. Um, and we are, yeah, we're, we've been in full lockdown for five weeks and full online learning for the same period of time. So can I ask you both now, and I'll come back to you, Linda, um, were you prepared for this and have you learnt anything on that journey? Um, to be honest, uh, we had, I think we had a very, very prepared and switched on deputy head teacher teaching and learning. And he basically took me to one side, um, the sun, because we have a weekday, uh, a working week of Sunday to Thursday, and the Sunday before we were about to lock down, he took me to one side and was like, look, what can we do? What can we build on, on our foundation um, of our digital learning environments um, to make us fully lockdown, um, to make us fully lockdown compatible? And in three days of like sitting with him, we realized that actually we have the capacity to do um, fully online and live lessons um, that we could assess um, to an extent, um, that we could carry on um, mostly with our school timetable, uh, definitely in the secondary school and to a lesser extent at our primary school. Um, and we could also bring the, the, the students and the teachers together in an existing learning environment that they were, they were familiar with 
Um, so anything like CPD um, that had to be done in that week was actually ran quite smoothly. So um, by the time we, we actually went online, as it were, 100% online, it was we were fairly well prepared, to be honest. Um, but there was a lot of work that went on behind the scenes um, from September on, um, from, se- from our September um, to to build that learning environment. We never really realised it was going to be stress tested in this way, but it's, it's really stepped up. Have, um, you, have you been surprised by so, anything? Any yeah. particular elements? Have they surprised you? Oh, definitely. I think that the thing that's really surprised our, um, our teachers and our students as well is, is how mentally tiring it is to do um, live online lessons um, because the expectation is because you're, you're following your timetable, you get up at, because I mean, we get about 8 a.m. Our, our school starts at 7.50 a.m. in our form classes and we f- usually finish at 2.45. Um, and we were following that and we were kind of like giving all these tasks to our students as if they were in front of us. And the admin that came out of that and the expectation of the teachers as well was like, it was far too much in the first couple of weeks. Um, so I think immediately um, that, that came up as a, big, as a big flag for our well-being, for our students and our teachers. And once we figured that out and we figured out we needed to, to give students more time to get used to and teachers more time to get used to the marking. Um, it's been a lot smoother in the last couple of weeks and a lot calmer. You mentioned the M word um, there, uh, marking. Yeah. Are you still operating then very much yeah. as a school? We are, yes. Um, we're, we're very fortunate actually to have. Uh, there was a hiccup at first um, with OneNote, um, but we, our, our year two, and we'll, I guess I'll go back to how we built the digital strategy um, later on, but our, our year two aim for digital strategy was to incorporate OneNote into all the departments with our year one aim um, to incorporate teams. Now in three days, well, we, we did teams um, from September until February. And then in three days, <laughs> we, we kind of incorporated the OneNote into all of the departments. So it turns out we didn't actually need a whole year. Um, but, but because of that, like, you know, because we've got the styluses, because we've got the foot surfaces, we have been able to, to carry on marking um, our, our students work um, in a meaningful way. Um, and when I say marking, I don't mean just ticking and flicking. I mean, just like actually giving feedback, mm. you know, um, it, it's, it's like the audio feedback that we can give. Mm. Um, it's the kind of like writing and visual inking feedback we can give is so much better than just, um, taking a flick. Brilliant. And meaningful as well. no, no that's good I'm really pleased that, to hear that I'm delighted and I must also thank both of you because of course you are plus three hours on our British summer time so we are keeping you up way past your bedtime and I'm very grateful as well uh, Ollie um, <laughs> you, you share a common interest you're both scientists uh, and I just wonder are things any different in your setting uh, and if they are do you have advice you can share with us um, thing, things are fairly similar in our setting, um, in the sense that both our schools are Microsoft schools. Um, I think all schools out here in the Middle East have done a fantastic job in turning around a online learning strategy in a really, really short space of time that, that seems to be working quite effectively. I know ours is working really well. Um, I think what what's kind of happened really is for us in our kind of context in our school is, is a bit of a technology refresh for us. And just that realignment with staff that, you know, technology is now our new connector. It's always been there, but we've not always seen it as the connector that, that binds us uh, to the learners um, within our schools. So it's been quite nice to have that kind of realignment and refresh. Um, what we've learned from it, I think, is Linda touched on it there, is it's, it's massively important for 
all stakeholders, so parents as well as the students and the staff, that your approach is sustainable. I think given that you, you, the interaction, the communication, it's not the same as having the students in front of you. And although technology does a fa fantastic job of facilitating the virtual kind of classroom, I don't think you can, it, it doesn't quite give you the nuances that you would have picking up on, on body language um, in the classroom. But having that sort of sustainable approach where sometimes less is more and you're looking at quality over quantity. And I think most schools will have probably gone down the line of, at the start, certainly of, of setting more than actually they need to and just reining it back in a little bit just so that you really concentrate on you know, what's absolutely key that you're trying to teach the students. You know, don't overload them um, cognitively as well as, you know, in terms of workload, like Linda mentioned, uh, and really kind of adopt that approach so that you, you're empowering the staff and the students in, in that whole purposeful process that is learning that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think that's, that's been probably a key driver for us is, is just... Um, efficiency and effectiveness, I think. Those are good, good pieces of advice. Thank you very much. Hang on in there, both of you. Um, if I lose your call, I'll phone you back. And thank you so much again for, for taking part so far. Just stay on the, on the topic. I'll, I'll come back to you. Um, uh, Abid Patel, if I could, please, your IT director. I do love an IT director. I think the collective noun is an expense of IT directors. I love them. Have you had your IT uh, real estate pushed really hard with this? Um, definitely to uh, a certain extent um, uh, in, in terms of uh, what, what we're doing. But the, the, the benefit we've got is uh, um, we've pretty much moved everything uh, into the cloud uh, in terms of our documents and data. Um, uh, and uh, from the moment we went into lockdown, um, obviously everything kind of went shut down in the school. So... Uh, uh, my estate hasn't been challenged much whatsoever, but uh, Google's estate is definitely being challenged uh, uh, worldwide um, with the vast amount of people uh, using uh, uh, the G Suite tools, um, uh, and in in particular Google Classroom. Uh, and I think that's been a that's been a huge benefit and and saviour for 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 if if not anyone, my my own personal uh, mental health and well being. Uh, the fact that you know it's. Uh, somebody else's problem uh, and that's one less overhead that I have to worry about. And was that part of your digital strategy? Was that a, a knowing thing? You clearly have can, can only have done that ahead of the lockdown so I don't think you can suddenly pull that out of the bag or anyone or is it technically possible to pull that out of the bag when you know the principal knocks on your door and says Abid we need to be 100% online this afternoon. <laughs> um it's possible to pull it out of the bag, yes, uh, uh, very uncomfortably. But um, thankfully, I wasn't in that position. My um, my digital transformation story is uh, is quite a fun one, actually. Um, uh, so some of some of my pals online might may have heard it before, but um, uh, my journey, um, uh, my digital transformation journey, started in two thousand seven. Uh, it was a. It was the Monday morning after the May half term break, uh, and I got a phone call from uh, the head teacher at one of our schools to say um, a bit, uh, and and that was at seven o'clock. So he was calling at seven o'clock. I live a ten minute walk away from school, so uh, him calling me at seven o'clock is never is never a good sign. 
uh, so he called me at seven in the morning and he said, um, Abid, no one can get um, onto any of the computers and the internet's not working. So I thought, okay, that doesn't sound um, too good. So quickly got, got, got up, got changed, walked into school. Um, and uh, I walked up and then, you know, there was a, the uh, site supervisor um, hoovering up water um, that had uh, seeped in through a, uh, uh, a flood. And as soon as he, as soon as I saw him do that, I thought, that's it. The uh, the floor standing server that we had um, uh, has must have got flooded. And so I opened the door to the server room, which was watertight, and uh, a gush of water just came flooding out. And uh, lo and behold, the, uh, the the server took on um, a good uh, five inches of water, which is uh, never good for any electrical equipment. And uh, and so it promptly died. And so um, that's when uh, that's when the conversation started. The, the head teacher looked at me in, in absolute horror and disgust as to like, what, what on earth are we going to do? And I said, um, we'll, we'll 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 do something. We'll we'll fix it. We'll get we'll get the disaster recovery plan out, and uh, we'll we'll start to take a look. And so, um, uh, you know, uh, it was a, it was your good old traditional Windows. Uh, uh, on-premise network, um, everything stored on on file servers and things like that. And so, at that point, that's when uh, I'd been looking at you know cloud-based uh, estates, uh, both uh, G Suite and, um, and Office 365 uh, at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I basically took that disastrous opportunity um, uh, to um, to move our entire uh, document estate into into um, Google Drive and. That's basically how our our digital transformation started. Um, it was not a comfortable move. Uh, it was not a popular move uh, at the time. Definitely, um, uh, there were very few people who understood the concept of not having files stored um, locally, um, not being able to browse to a to a shared area, and having to get the concept of using things through uh, a file browser. Uh, and I learned uh, I learned quite quite. Uh, quite quickly that it was a case of um yeah uh, you have to take your your stuff uh, along that journey with you but um needs must in in that case um where where the disaster uh, caused us to 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 go online but um every cloud has a silver lining doesn't <laughs> so so they like to say in google circles can i ask the awkward question now and that is had you not had the flood would you have done the transition to the cloud anyway Yes, we were actually planning to go to the cloud um, from the new academic year. So uh, the the flood happened at the end of the May half term. So uh, it, it happened about two months before we were planning to do the work. Um, uh, and uh, so we we were we were planning to do that. Um, it just uh, the entire plan just got shifted forward big time. Um, and it was a it was a it was a great opportunity in the sense that. Uh, it took it took me about three weeks to do the the whole the whole project um, uh, all all myself and so I documented it every stage of the way. So when I actually did it planned in the other school, um, I did the whole thing in two days because I literally just followed the crib sheet that I created. So uh, yes, the plan was there definitely, but um, it, it it got pushed it got pushed uh, a lot sooner than uh, than than originally planned. 
Brilliant. I'm going to come back because I have some more questions that have uh, sprung to mind on that one. Uh, good, after- good afternoon. Good evening to Ben Whitaker. Um, ben, you're having a brilliant run at the moment as an edu-futurist and uh, really doing incredible. And congratulations, some brilliant interviews and some content coming out of you at the moment. Um, can I ask you uh, have you been surprised by anything or in your conversations with folks and guests at the moment by the current state of play and folks who clearly were caught um, unawares by this or is everything just as you would have expected it um i don't think anybody's expecting the position that we're in oh thank you by the way for uh, for inviting me on i forgot to do that bit um, and thank you for your kind words about what we're doing with veggie futurists i don't think anybody really would have expected where we are um, and would have expected the reaction that, that we've had. I think what's really lovely, and I, I was listening to the, the show earlier on, is about how people have come together. I think that's what's been the unexpected thing from my point of view, is how amazing the whole community has been at sharing and um, just good practice that's, that people are just freely giving to each other and the support, the staff rooms that people are putting on, things like this and uh, conversations I think have been have been really lovely. Um, and I think that's been, I think the unprecedented times that people talk about and the, and the problems that people have had has kind of been um, placated a little bit by the fact that people have come together. Um, I think some some of the stuff that's come out that's very interesting is we're actually reverting back to some historical um, decisions and some historical conversations that I had. I know that uh, Lord Jim Knight's on later on, um, and some of the conversations we've had with Bob Harrison and some of these other stalwarts, giants of the. Uh, of- saying the access to technology, um, equitable accessibility for everybody, um, the use of devices and and platforms that share good practice. That's what we need to get back to um, rather than gimmicks around tools or apps just for the sake of it. It's the right tool for the right job. Brilliant. Now we just missed a couple of seconds. That was the Bob Harrison moment. He's gonna he's gonna want to know what you said about him. We missed just the line there. What were you saying about Bob? I know Bob. It'll be be something we have to bleep out anyway. But remember, it's live. What what <laughs> what, what, what did Bob say? So so they were just talking about we needed to go back to some of the um, positions of what was happening in 2008 and what was that happening was in 2010. Okay. Cool. Okay. I'm, I'm completely on the page with that as well. And that's the old kind of um, uh, ubiquitous access and all the rest of it and everything else. And, and I'd forgotten to mention to our listeners, you're the, the only guest here with two lines of biog information. Bless you. The job title goes across two lines, folks. Um, uh, also, Ben, as well as being a brilliant uh, edu futurist, also curriculum manager and digital solutions lead at Burnley College. And I miss that bit out. I'm sorry. Um, that's a, You're not going to fit that on the name badge easily i have to say <laughs> but bless you if you've tried i have to say uh, so a, a real interesting fe perspective there as well um is is uh, does what uh, abid said um kind of apply to you are you different in that have you always been a a google college or are you a google college or how, how is it working there it's a really interesting question. I think if i if i was to say what i wish it was i would say that we were a google college um what we found is that we've got a lot of Google classrooms that were that were existing, and there was sporadic use of some of the tools. And what this has brought us to is more of a streamlined understanding about a strategy. And I know that that's part of the the, the theme for the conversation, but it's made us really think about what are we doing and why are we doing it, rather than everybody just throwing different 
ideas down and just crack it on and let's let's do a Google Hangout here or let's do a Zoom call here because it because it that creates issues with support staff that don't feel um, a level of technological understanding, hmm. uh, students not knowing what to do. So so we 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 weren't ready for this in in that sense, but we we quickly had to face the, the, the situation that we're in if we wanted any kind of level of progress of students over this time brilliant absolutely brilliant thanks ben That's, i'll come back to you in a second uh, mark and al um you um this kind of brings me to to, to perfectly the, the purpose of this conversation and that is to highlight the importance of having a digital strategy and uh, earlier or the, the back end of last year you guys got together and and wrote something uh, mark just start to talk me through that document itself what was the purpose of it well, that's it. There is no one-size-fits-all thing when it comes to digital in an organisation. Sure, you can you can pick your Microsoft or your Google or whatever devices you want to use and all that sort of thing, um, but it's far, far, far more than just choosing you know which Chromebook you want or which iPad is the right device to use and so forth and so on. So, what we wanted to try and do is to try and give a framework around supporting schools so that they knew the sorts of things they should be thinking about. So, uh, Alan and I wrote the um, guide to creating a digital strategy. Um, it's uh, a, a, a pretty thick um, documents um, took us quite a few months to sort of pull things together we're working on uh, a version two at the moment as it goes um, but um, what we wanted to do is to sort of signpost the things that um, schools should be thinking about because it'd be, it'd be wrong of us to tell people what to do I mean with the schools that I work in and the colleges that I work with and, and uh, what have you it's never a case of uh, sort of rocking up and going hi everybody here's the Mark Anderson five-step plan to success it's more about um, opening people's eyes to the things you need to be thinking about and having that that end goal in mind and then mapping the journey out along the way um, to where you want to get to um, without it being constrained sometimes by things like finance um, and, and keeping teaching and learning at the heart of all the things that you do. But there's, there's so many things to, uh, to consider when it comes to contemplating what you're going to do with technology in your school. Obviously, as we heard from Tracy before, um, things around safeguarding, digital citizenship are really important. And so what we did, we broke it down into whole, all, all the different areas areas of things we should need to think about so from teachers to students to leadership to the infrastructure that you need to support making all of this happen finance uh, data privacy user rights uh, SEND or ALN if you're in Wales um, governors and trustees all that sort of thing so there's loads and loads and loads of stuff to think about <clears throat> and when you start having those, those conversations um, and you know the areas to be thinking about that's when you can start to sort of tease out your strategy and so that was what we tried to do with that, to help provide um, some, some signposting and uh, ideas to help schools move forwards. Um, and that's what's been great. It's, 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 you know, there's the situation we're in right now, if you've gone through all these pain processes of choosing your tools, and, and we heard from Ollie before about how they're using uh, Office 365 in his school. I, I've worked at Ollie's school, so I know they're using, and Ollie won an award for um, something earlier this year at the uh, Guess um conference in Dubai for his implementation of Century um, in the school you know and it's, it's these sorts of things where you've got a really clear strategy of what you're going to do and how learning is going to be supported through the use of technology so that when these things come into play and Linda mentioned it at, at um, Dara school her school as well you know they had these things in place already so that they were already in a relatively good position a relatively good starting point and I'm sure it's the same for Ben at Burnley as well with use of Google Classroom and so forth and so on you're in a really good start 
starting point to move things just that one step further. Um, but without that sort of strategy in place, it, then then you, you don't have, you know, you, you've got so much groundwork to do. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Al, and um, we, we, to say thank you very much, you very kindly uh, put your hand in your pocket and uh, you made it possible uh, for this to be printed mm-hmm. and given away at the BET event. And it's still available digitally. And um, if people can't get, because getting stuff out on the post is a bit hard these days. So it's available digitally uh, from your site. And I'm sure we will tweet into the hashtag Net Support Radio uh, a URL. I can do you can that go- right now. Thank you so much. That's really good. Thank you, Mark. Um, that would be really good. What was your thinking behind this, Al? What what drove you to to kind of fund this? I think Mark's covered a few of the points. I mean, Mark and I have worked on a lot of projects over over the years, um, and I think we have quite a nice complementary set of experiences and skills when it comes to the broader education landscape. And one thing you you pick up on over the years is is the same questions, the same challenges, the same pitfalls that get flagged, and often it's really hard to go to that one place to say. How do I condense all of those thoughts and ideas together? And I think sometimes the term digital strategy sort of raises people's hairs on the back of their neck and there's a fear factor of what does that mean and what will it encompass? And and as Mark's alluded to, you know, for every school and every trust, depending on where they are in their journey, um, it will mean different things. But I've seen from from the last 15 years working in schools away from my, um, my professional corporate role, um, one of the most frustrating things is is probably the lack of voice for those who are best informed. And in so many schools, perhaps understandably sometimes because of the, the funding landscape, you know, the driver conversation has been about, well, we've got this much budget this year. What kit do you want? Um, and during our guide, you know, I, I use the analogy. It's, it's a bit like going for a drive without a sat nav. You're going to be successfully driving along and you might visit some interesting destinations but it's never going to be as effective as if you've actually put the destination in up front and actually set a view for that longer journey. And so a lot of the, the digital strategy guide is about giving a voice. And I suppose it, it's on two levels. One is about, as Mark said, making sure all the different stakeholders, and we chose to use a Venn diagram because it is very much teachers and student at the heart, and then all the different other stakeholders who, who feed into that broader digital strategy. And I think that was one of the reasons why we wanted to make sure there was that kind of unified voice and idea that we could share. And I think alongside that, there was also the element of, um, you know, in my professional career, I've spent the last 30 years creating tools that give you a sense and a view of what's happening across your IT estate. But a view without a purpose serves, frankly, little purpose. And the word that always resonates, and we see it more and more in the UK, particularly with Ofsted, is, is the word impact. And people, I think, sometimes are feared by impact. But what we've seen, and Ben did some work in conjunction with NetSupport as well about um, how you work through gateholders, but actually successfully measuring impact actually builds confidence and it can actually empower um, teachers, middle leaders, senior leaders to take more steps in the right direction when it comes to digital strategy if you've identified successful ways to measure and prove the benefits and success. And, and that's why this dovetails so nicely with today's conversation, because you know, ironically, the events that have forced us to make quick decisions to embrace technology in different ways has actually become a bit of a catalyst to feed back into saying, actually, there's a good reason why we need a digital strategy. Maybe there's some more circles on the Venn diagram we need to consider now, whether it's more focus on infrastructure or whether it's more focus on how we foster collaboration between teachers and that human contact with our students. But it is an ever moving beast. And I think sometimes 
someone's got to take a lead. And, and Mark and I are very passionate about technology and its effective use in education. And um, an opportunity to spend a few months working together on it was something we both really enjoyed. Brilliant. And thanks, Mark, because I've just seen that tweet out onto the uh, timeline. Thank you so much. That was brilliant. Um, I don't think anyone's going to ever open a server room door now with this, the same casual attitude. Uh, Abid, that was a, a stunning story. And I wonder if I can come back to you now and ask you, were there any, are there any pitfalls in your move to the cloud? So clearly that's, that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for everyone to do, really, because uh, for me as an environmentalist, I'd say uh, we've spent just about enough on air conditioning and uh, the the cost of that hardware and the potential risk of the flood who would have perhaps you know ever thought of that as well and having the stuff off site is often a, the best plan um um so good for me uh, were there any pitfalls in you doing that um i i wouldn't say any pitfalls in obviously the immediate work but i would definitely say that um the one thing uh, i would do in hindsight is uh, try to take more of the staff um, uh, along the journey with me. Um, you know, you you can very easily become public enemy number one because the the one thing that nobody likes is change. Um, there's a there's a meme that I come across on the internet so many times where uh, there's a person standing in front of a crowd of people and says, "Who wants change?" and everyone's got their hands up, and then the second half of the meme says who wants to change and everyone's hands are down because um it, it's that it, you know it's it's that old analogy that you know we're we're all comfortable with what we do um you know we we live very stressful lives schools are very stressful environments and so uh, any sort of change is seen as 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 an annoyance as an as as an impact into into what 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 I'm trying to just get by, uh, and sometimes people don't see the bigger picture. You know, um, uh, there's there's a there's a big understanding that, that you know I just need the IT to work in order to be able to do my job. The IT shouldn't be the the be all and end all for me to be able to do my job, and and so you changing the IT is just hindering me. Um, uh, when I when I speak to others about digital strategy, I say the one thing you know: train your staff, train your staff, train your staff. Oh, by the way, did I say train your staff? You know, that's that's the one thing that I would uh, I would definitely recommend is as much training as you possibly can, and you know, tell the story, tell the story of why we're achieving this. Um, uh, I, I I sort of tweet um, a few a few, a few uh, weeks ago by but by, by someone um, in edtech and and they said um, uh, the story I've always been told uh, is you know what if we rely too much on on edtech and the internet goes down to which I would now reply well what if we don't reply on what 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 if we didn't rely on the edtech and uh, the schools uh, got shut down due to a global pandemic. You know, uh, there's always a reason why we're doing this. And my, my favourite phrase is always, there's method to the madness. And I, I might seem like like the madman who's constantly making all of these changes and making you learn new things. But uh, I honestly genuinely feel that, you know, schools have been held back um, due to fear. Um, and not, not just fear of change, but fear of the impact that the change will have uh, like like i was saying you know things like um uh, ofsted you know um uh, if you're going through a period of change and you're trying to improve things um ofsted might not necessarily see that and if they turn up at your door and things aren't in the in the way that they expect then um 
it, that that could have a detrimental impact on the on the school environment and and so um there's a, there's a need to uh, everything i've done i've always i've always agreed with senior leadership and and they've always kind of understood the strategy but then that doesn't always filter down and so uh that annoyance starts to build amongst the uh, amongst the the rest of the the school community as to why are we having to do this and why what what was wrong with the old way of doing things and uh, and and so definitely that that is one pitfall that i would say um is is definitely one that uh, people going on the journey should should consider is 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 think about the people um because the people is mm. is the heart of every environment uh n- not the ed tech and i think the measure will be one of the outcomes for me will be what happens to ofsted and how will they um is this you know is this robust policy now going to be an inspected item are we all going to need a, a virus lockdown policy i can imagine so and will the art of inspection change or all, all through this will they be looking for this kind of and how well did you perform in the last four weeks which is very interesting and this applies to all of us so i think we we can kind of conclude that we we all need a digital strategy linda if i could come back to you how easy was it in your setting to take your staff with you um well we started our digital strategy journey um around about actually this time last year like um, the idea kind of came to us um, from like um, some some very very good friends, um, tech friends, um, and and they basically said, well, you know, if you if you don't have a if you have all the enthusiasm and none of the vision and none of the you know none of the the direction, then like, what are you going to do with all of this tech? You've got eighty four different applications going from early years all the way up to uh, year thirteen. Like by the time your your children have got to year thirteen, they've had to remember eighty four eighty five different passwords, which is insane. Um, and it is uh, what was touched on before. Like uh, you can have like all the tech in the world, but like you know, if you if you don't have a direction, then then your teachers will feel overwhelmed. Um, so we we started off um, by by having a look at um, a vision, and I think that was the most important thing that we um, did in order to uh, grab our, our staff's attention and to inspire them and motivate them to make sure that we were to make sure they were okay with the change we were about to put in and once they saw that they needed a change or that chain was change was about to come we gave them the reason okay and we we follow uh, what's called the ad car the ad car um coaching oh gosh i can't remember what it's called now it's like a process okay so like the first one is awareness the second um, the second part is desire the third part is knowledge the fourth um, the fourth part is um Anyone? Anyone? Start for ten. Start for ten. <laughs> Queens? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> I'm oh. going to come back. I'm going to come back to the second if day. If we in can't manage that um, amongst us, third, Lind, honestly, don't worry. Carry on. Ability. You're doing well. Ability. 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 No, Thank you. It. Thank you. <laughs> in my defence, it is very late here. Um, and the and the fifth one is reinforcement. And the, the whole point of doing this this journey is to um, is to get the awareness that we need to change. So we did a digital audit. And we audited everything that was useful to the staff and everything that, you know, the staff members felt that like was only being used in a very specialist way or was not being used at all. So we got rid of a lot of dead technology with that. And we moved forward with, you know, the the things that we really needed. And the first thing that we desperately needed and the whole staff came to agreement on was the fact that we had no real way of communicating and collaborating effectively um, 
from staff member to staff member, from staff member to student, and from student to student. And that had to be a really clear way. So we chose teams. We chose teams in our, off, our, existent, off, off, our existent Office 365 suite um, because that, that very neatly kind of put together, like, it doesn't matter whether you're using Apple, it doesn't matter whether you're using Windows, and it doesn't matter whether you're using a Mac. Um, you can use Office 365 to use the, the, um, the online suite to collaborate, to communicate. Um, so that's what we launched properly in, in September with the relevant CPD um, for ability um, and, and to reinforce the knowledge. Um, so that's, that's how we got our staff members. And then um, we filtered it down with our students um, uh, to, to kind of like bring them up to speed. Hmm. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Ollie, can I, I just answer your question? Uh, no, beautifully so, absolutely beautifully so. Um, <laughs> Ollie, can I just turn to you and finally ask you? Uh, my perception is that um, um, schools in Abu Dhabi and in the Middle East are so incredibly well funded uh, that you didn't have to at any time consider the cost. Have you had to consider cost, and is it just as tricky there as it is elsewhere? Um, I think we we are very. I can hear Linda giggling there. Um, we're all giggling. Quite, don't worry. We're all giggling. Yeah, I think we're quite fortunate, not just in Abu Dhabi but in the Middle East, because it is seen, I think, globally as, as this kind of educational technology hub, um, thanks to the the shiny lights of Dubai. Um, so I think we are we're in a very fortunate place within education, working in schools, um, you know, across the region in the Middle East. Um, we, you know, we had a lot already within our infrastructure, so we didn't actually need to procure anything new. Um, I think you'll find a lot of schools like Linda's um, and certainly ours, uh, you know, have to do an audit every now and then, which is a good thing. I think that's good practice to actually look at, um, you know, the effectiveness of the tools that you've got on the job. Um, so I think we're, we're quite fortunate in that respect. Um, I think what's what's been great, you know, to go back to your, your question that you asked Linda briefly, certainly about our school, if I can just shine a light on it briefly, is mm. um, we hold, we, we obviously hold uh, teacher professional development, but we also allow teachers to lead their own professional development through something that we call a CSI, which is a collaborative school-based inquiry. So we allow teachers over a period of uh, three months to really delve down into um, an area that they're passionate about within teaching um, with a pedagogy focus um, and conduct some action research and look at the, the influence and the impact of that on um, outcomes for students. So quite often teachers will look at various technology tools and actually use that as, a, as an auditing purpose um, to see whether or not it's something that we'd like to invest in or uh, stuff that we've already invested in to see if we need it or if we can actually use it more purposefully. So I think we're, you know, in our school context, we're really lucky in that sense that that's our, um, that's our kind of mindset, that's our culture. Staff know our entry points, mm. which I think is really important within schools so that we can, you know, and they can make informed, clear decisions around the kind of concept of in, embedding technology for the purpose of learning teaching and assessment brilliant it's getting those purposes back in there isn't it and just remembering why we're doing it it is yeah it's, it's that idea of, of kind of how you do things not what you necessarily do um i know mark's a great advocate for it's not always about the tech you know there are some things that 
are, br- are brilliant, but you don't necessarily need to use technology to have the same kind of influence and impact with the students. So I think it's about, you know, knowing your, knowing your as I said before, knowing your entry point and then knowing how to ex- extend that scope of learning for the students um, using a digital tool or not. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much indeed to uh, all our guests here. That kind of concludes the the topic here. I think my summary is that uh, you can't possibly embark on any uh, use of uh, IT or ICT unless you have a school's digital strategy. And I think we've kind of teased out some great do's and don'ts. Uh, Thank you to all of the guests here. Uh, To Ollie Lewis, thank you very much. It's just gone half past 11 with you. And thank you so much indeed uh, for, for joining us. To the fabulous Linda Parsons as well. Thank you both. I really do appreciate that. Uh, to Abid Patel as well thank you so much indeed the story of the water out the door it's just going to stay with me forever I just love that to the brilliant Ben Whitaker as well and also Mark Anderson and Al Kingsley thank you all of you for contributing to our discussion this afternoon this evening this morning wherever you are listening to us thank you very much indeed uh, still to come on today's show Lim uh, Lord Lim uh, Lord he'll love me for that Lord Jim Knight because I wanted to catch up with him and ask him about his digital strategy uh, listeners yeah. no stranger to our radio radio show jim knight joins me live on the telephone thank you so much uh, your lordship it's always good to chat to you um <laughs> the importance of digital strategies you've been here many times in your political career how important is it for educated establishments to have a properly well thought out digital strategy well i think it is obvious now that, that it gives great resilience to organizations if they know how they can operate if they need to go virtual or better still, if it's possible for them to deliver a blended uh, solution. By and large, we know that face-to-face is better than 100% online, but blended is better than face-to-face. And that's where we should be aiming at when things get back to something that feels a bit more like normality. But I sense also that this crisis isn't gonna go away in a hurry and that whilst lockdown will end, we might end up with further waves of infection, further mini lockdowns, further reasons why schools need to be able to do more online. And incidentally, there is a bit of a win here for learners in that when they enter the labour market, they will have to carry on learning and they will have to therefore be good self-directed learners. And they will have to be confident in being able to learn online. And so for them to learn some of those skills right now, is it's not a bad thing. It future-proofs them a lot more than if they just learn in classrooms and get tested on little desks and sports halls. Indeed, we seem to still be there. But, you know, this will be the first year in a very, very long time that we've ever needed to rely on mock exams and teacher assessment. And for some of us, that's a very good move forward. I wonder if I could just get a view from you about whether this is not an opportunity for some innovative approaches rather than deliver the same old stuff in the same old way. Well, I agree. I think there will come a time pretty soon where we will need to do some reflection on how we've done during this crisis, what's worked, what has changed that we want to keep, what we want to get back to, who's done it really well and who hasn't. Not so that we can point the finger, but so that we don't we don't draw conclusions from those who've struggled in terms of you know, writing off digital as being something that doesn't work. Yeah, it's not going to work if it's not well led and if it's not well delivered. And there'll be a lot of people who haven't got the competence to be able to do either. 
I'd hate for it to all be judged on that basis. I'm more interested in looking at those who made a success of it and learning from them. That's a really good point as well. Is there anything that you could add to the party insofar as advice and guidance? Because you led a government through this process many, many years ago, and I feel that we seem to have forgotten all of that experience and expertise. Yes, I agree that I think there is some experience around in the system that would love to be involved and you know i've i've made offers uh, through various channels to help if if needed and uh, you know i'm i'm not proud it's fine that that's not been taken up but you know at times like this i go to the equity issues first and foremost you know those children who started this crisis behind are likely to end it further behind that doesn't feel fair they're the same children who have parents who probably had a, a less successful experience of education and feel less confident in supporting them at home. They're probably the same children that don't have access to the technology and the connection that they need to participate. And you know, ultimately, one of the things that all teachers should be able to do is to use the technology at a human level, which is you know, try and make sure every child gets a call once a week try and make sure the vulnerable children get the bulk of the attention. And that attention can be just picking up the phone. But at a human level, teachers are really important to their pupils. And they should be getting more than an email to their parents with a little worksheet. Absolutely agree. Can I just very, and quite finally, now just perhaps draw your view on this uh, laptops for vulnerable people at home. Again, I feel that you and I have talked about this many, many times in the past. Offers not taken up. Here we are again with the same challenges. Yes, and I'm very proud of the home access scheme that um, I was responsible for in government. And we've got half a million children online and we did it in a way that gave people dignity through their ability to purchase uh, the equipment and the connectivity uh, using using credit cards that have been pre-charged with government money Uh, it was a great scheme Uh, it was virtually fraud free the assessment of it was very positive Uh, i'm not sure whether there's anyone left in government who remembers what that was like but there's plenty of us outside who'd love to help indeed and i think your offer uh, although sorely missed has gone unfallen on deaf ears for the moment jim thank you so much indeed it is always a pleasure to catch up with you and thank you very much indeed wherever you are stay safe sir. thanks russell net support the driving force behind school it solutions